get them out. Let's, let's turn to Joshua. Let's, let's get rolling. Matt talked about spiritual warfare last night, um, which may have seemed like a break from the book of Joshua, but actually, that's just how we planned it. It was perfect. It was actually perfect because what we've been building to for the last five chapters of Joshua is we're getting to this point where Israel is going to go in to hopefully conquer their biggest enemy yet. They're getting ready for, for army uh, battles, for warfare. And so Matt last week talked about spiritual warfare, right? You guys remember that? He talked about um, if you're a Christian, you are in, well, even if you're not a Christian, you're in a spiritual war. But if you're a Christian, you are, have been drafted as a soldier into God's army. And, and you have to understand who your enemy is, and you have to understand his strategy, and you need to understand who you fight for, and you need to understand God's strategy of how to fight, because if you don't, you're going to get caught up in this, in this battle, and you know what, you're probably going to end up on the sidelines when the enemy takes you out, and you're never actually going to do anything for the Lord, because the enemy is really strong, and he's really smart, and he has a good plan. And we saw last week that he really only has three cards that he can play. Now those three cards are very broad, in general, and they cover a lot of things. But does anybody remember the three things, the three strategies that Satan has? It's, it's a Bible verse. Yes, Miss Sarah. Right, the lust of the eyes, what you see, right, what, what you uh, want to have, the lust of the flesh, what you want to feel, and the, and the, pride, of the, li- and the pride of life. It's, it's pride of, of obtaining more and, and, and increasing in power and, and stuff like that. And those are the three things that Satan deals. That's, that's his strategy. And really, anything that can come at you in life are going to fall into one of those three categories. So you need to understand how the enemy works and how he attacks if you want to be victorious. And so what we're going to see tonight is we're going to see Israel finally go into battle against Jericho. And, and so we're going to see a very, very specific way to conquer Jericho, okay? Israel is getting to face its largest opponent yet. And why that is so important for us today, and what we've been seeing in this Old Testament, is that there are many pictures for us today, right? The nation of Israel is a picture of you, the individual Christian today, right? And so what Israel goes through in their journey into the promised land and in their battles is going to represent things for us today. And we're going to see pictures from the Old Testament, right? 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that in the Old Testament, things were written down as examples for us. They're written for our learning so that we can learn from what they went through, okay? So we're going to see some pictures tonight. Jericho, remember, don't forget about this. We saw this several weeks ago because in Joshua chapter 2, we saw the harlot Rahab, right? The, the Israel, Joshua sent out two spies and to spy out Jericho and see what they were coming up against. And, and they, they, you know, we had that whole little aside about Rahab and her faith. And, uh, and Rahab was, was told that she would be saved from the carnage that was about to come when they come in to wipe out Jericho because of her faith and because she helped the spies. Now remember, when they went into Jericho, Jericho is a heavily fortified city. It has walls all the way around it. And Jericho was on a mound. It was a city that was elevated, which is very good. If you play Fortnite, you want to have the upper level, right? Right? How many times do you win in a gunfight on Fortnite if you're down and staring up at somebody? Never. That's why you build a fort really quick. Someone starts shooting at you, you're like, foot, 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 and you build, a, you build a tower, you build a fort, and you shoot down at them, right? So this is something we know. <laughs> we know, and that's, that's biblical, 
<laughs> you build a fort really quick. So, so the reason why Jericho was such a good fortified city for battle was because it was elevated. It was on a mound, and they had a wall around the mound at the top, a thick wall, but then they also had a double wall. They had a second wall at the bottom of the mound. So this was a heavily fortified city that was made to defend against attacks. It, this, was, this was their biggest opponent yet, and not to mention the first opponent that they would face after crossing the Jordan River, which, you remember, represents for us that boundary in between where we are now and where God wants us to be, right? The Jordan River, is what Israel had to do was trust that God was going to bring them across that boundary, put their faith in him, and bring them into that promised land that he promised them. That Jordan River, it was a boundary, it was a, it was a picture of what blocks us, what prevents us from getting to where God wants us to be, because typically people never make it across the Jordan. Christians, a lot of times, will never get to the promised land, spiritual maturity, because they never just trust God to take them to where he wants them to be. Because it takes trust and it takes faith, and faith is uncomfortable, and it's, and, and it's not easy. So Jericho is this, this seemingly impossible to defeat enemy that represents for us that enemy that prevents us from, where, from going from where we are to where God wants us to be. So it's kind of like Jordan River, a little bit. It's preventing Israel from getting to where God wants them to be. But, but this is different. It's only similar in, in that it's preventing them from getting from where they are to where God wants them to be. But Jericho, don't, don't misunderstand, Jericho is no mere boundary. <laughs> it's no mere river that's just there. And it's like, well, if you decide to trust God, he'll just bring you across. It's, it's not just a river. No, enemies fight back. <laughs> they aren't just a boundary. Jericho is this big, hairy, 2,000-pound gorilla enemy that, that, that wants to prevent you at all costs from getting to the next place where God wants you to be, and he's not just going to prevent you, he's going to come at you. That's the difference between a Jericho and a Jordan River. Jordan River is a point of decision for you if you're going to trust God to get you across. Jericho is a point of decision if you're going to trust God to fight your battle for you, because if not, he's going to beat you down, because he's an enemy. Jericho is that enemy that just seems too impossible to defeat that many times will keep christians cowering in fear for their whole life jericho is a big deal jericho there's, there's a jericho in each of our lives too and that's what i want you to see I, I want you to understand jericho what it represents for you and for me is and it's different for each of us each of us have our own jerichos i want you to think about that just personally, and I'll, you know, don't raise your hand, don't say anything out loud. What, what is it in your life? What is that enemy that, that, that confronts you every day, that, that's too scary to deal with, that, that enemy that you've been too scared to try and defeat? Or maybe it's an enemy that you've tried to attack, that you've tried to have victory over before, but it was too strong, it was too big, it was too scary, and you ended up, losing or tucking tail and running because you're just too scared what's that enemy that fear has led you to simply just tolerate its presence in your life you know what i'm talking about what's your jericho because that's what you need to do before we start this study is i want you to try to identify your jericho that's your blank identify your jericho what is it it could be 
fear of rejection. It could be depression. It could be crippling anxiety. I, I don't know who you are, so I'm just going to list a bunch of things, and maybe I'll help you jog your memory. Uh, is it low self-esteem? Maybe it's something way more physical. Is, is it addiction? Is it alcohol or drugs? I don't know. I'm not saying I know what you did last summer. I'm just saying, what, what is it that's in your life that's preventing you, not just a boundary of faith, but something, an enemy that attacks you, that keeps you from getting to where God wants you to be? Is it, is it an addiction like alcohol or drugs or tobacco? Or is it something even different? Is it sexual impurity or, or lust or pornography? Are, are you getting the gist of what the Jericho is? Jericho in your life is that enemy that's so big and scary it's the double-walled city on a hill that if you get too close, it's going to shoot you down. What, what is that for you? What's that in your life? Because you need to identify that. Have you figured it out? Have you identified it? It shouldn't take you too long. <laughs> if you really have to think about it, you might be a pretty good person. <laughs> Most of us should know, yeah, I, I know what that is. Maybe, maybe a lot of people don't know what that is for me. But I know, in my heart of hearts, what it is that I deal with on a daily basis. Have you identified it? Is, it? is it in your sights? Let me ask you, do you want victory over the power that it has in your life? Maybe you've been trying to get victory over that thing for years. Or maybe this is new. Maybe it's new. Maybe you've just come across this, or maybe you're just new to being a Christian. And you're trying to get right. You, you've, you've asked Jesus to save you, and you're shedding those things that kept you down in the world before. And you're just finding this thing is really hard to get rid of. It's really hard to kick. Maybe it's your Jericho. But if you want victory over that, we're going to see tonight how you can have it. It's not easy. It's not easy to take down a double-walled fortress city, but it's possible. So let's look at Joshua chapter 6 and just verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So, so Israel was there and, and Jericho knew it, right? We saw in chapter 2 that Rahab said that everybody was scared. They had heard what God had done through Israel and wiping out other enemies on the way. So, so Jericho, even though it was this mighty fortress city, they were scared. And it was shut up. They had all the gates shut up. No one went out. No one came in. And it says in verse 2 that the Lord said unto Joshua, See, notice this, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Before we get started tonight seeing how to conquer Jericho, this is what you need to know. The only way that you can conquer Jericho is if the Lord fights for you. That's the only way. God says in verse 2 to Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. That makes more sense. There's no way an army of ragtag Jews who don't have a homeland are going to take down this mighty double-walled fortress of Jericho by themselves. God says, I have given Jericho into thine hand. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, the last time I preached before Matt was here last week, and we talked about who's your general, and we saw that a pre-incarnate Christ shows up on the scene, and all that means, it's a really big word for Jesus before he came in the flesh, shows up and says, I'm the captain of the host of the Lord's armies. Right? We saw that who's your general? Is God the one leading you into battle, or are you trying to do it in your own strength? That's really key. That's really key because that was the last couple of verses of Joshua 5 and then immediately we're into Joshua 6 and God says, notice, I have given into thine hand Jericho. God is the general that's going to be fighting this battle. And we need to know that. God alone can provide us the victory 
over Jericho. And let me just say this really quick. If you don't know God as your personal Savior, if, if Jesus isn't your personal Savior, then he can't fight for you. Okay, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm talking to people who realize that their sin separates them from God. And the only way to live with God forever in eternity in heaven is to trust in his sacrifice, his shed blood, his atoning blood on, on the cross of Calvary. That's the only way you can be saved, by confessing your sins and repenting and believing on the name of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, you can do that tonight. But if you haven't, God can't fight for you. God can only fight for those who have decided they want to be in his army. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Pastor Matt mentioned this last week, in verse 3, Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to Timothy, who is his son in the faith, his disciple. And he says, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, if you're going to do this thing, if you're going to live the Christian life, if you're going to live a life of faith and make disciples, verse 2, then verse 3, therefore, you're going to have to endure some hardness, man. Because you're a soldier for Christ. There is a spiritual warfare going on. And verse 4, no man that goes to war, no man that warreth, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, the temporal things of this world. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That's God. If you're a Christian today, God has chosen you to fight in this spiritual war. But if you're not a Christian, if you don't know God as your Savior, not if you don't go to church, not if, if you don't do good things. No, 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 it's not about that. If you don't know God as your Father, if you haven't been adopted into his family and been born again, then he's not your general. And you can do that tonight. It's just a decision. It's repentance. It's confession. And believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name given among men by which we can be saved. And you can do that. And if you have, then we can move forward into how to conquer Jericho. So let me ask you, have you identified Jericho? Do you have it in your sights? And is God your general? Because if the answer to both of those questions is yes, then we can dive in, okay? Because if you want to conquer Jericho, there's three things we're going to learn from Joshua 6 tonight that you have to do. You must do. If you want to conquer Jericho, number one, you must get God's instructions, Get God's instruction. I know this is very, very obvious, but that's just what the Bible says. <laughs> so many times when, when you hear, I, I remember hearing Frank Pardue preach on this years ago, and I still listen to those old cassette tapes that we put into digital files every once in a while. And he would always say, you know, when you preach on something like this and, and, you're, and you're trying to show people how to conquer that sin that they've been trying to conquer for years and they just can't, you get really excited and you're like, okay, finally, someone's going to tell me how to ditch this thing. Someone's finally going to tell me how to get rid of this pornography addiction or, or this anger problem that I've had for years. What do I do? And then the answer is just like obvious stuff that you already know. And it's like, well, yeah, but you got to do it. You, you got to do that. So, so I hope tonight isn't too obvious for you that you go home saying, I already knew that. Well, good. Now seek to do this. We got to get God's instructions. In verse 2 of Joshua 6, the Lord says to Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And he's going to give his instructions on how to conquer Jericho. He says, Ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thou shalt do six days. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets, trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. 
and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Here's God's battle plan for Jericho. This is what we just read, okay? He tells Joshua, okay, gather your army, gather your men of war, and what you're gonna do is you're gonna take seven priests with trumpets, and their trumpets were made out of ram's horns back then, I guess that's what the Bible says. You're gonna take seven priests with horn trumpets, and you're gonna take the Ark of the Covenant of God. You guys remember that is? It was a, it was a gold box with sticks that the priests would take. Remember, it led them across Jordan. And what does the Ark of the Covenant represent? The presence of God, good job, you knew that, right? The presence of God, so they're gonna take God's presence, the ark, and they're gonna take it with seven priests with trumpets, and they're gonna take the men of war, and what are they gonna do? They're gonna walk around the city once. They're gonna do a lap, and then they're gonna go to bed, and then they're gonna wake up the next day, and they're gonna do the same thing. They're gonna walk around the city one time, and they're gonna do that six days in a row. And then on the seventh day, now we're gonna kick it up a notch, now you're gonna do that seven times. You're going to do seven laps around the city. And then after that, you're going to blow the horns, and you're going to yell, and then the walls are going to fall down, and you're going to go up in and kill everybody. Okay, that sounds like a fun Bible story. It is a fun Bible story. How does that sound for a battle tactic? <laughs> is there anyone in Call of Duty or Fortnite or anything like that ever do, do the, the, the old Jericho <laughs> you're, you're talking to your friends online and you know you got your headset on you're like okay okay you guys ready now let's start walking and that that doesn't sound like a very practical logical thing to do right i mean here's here's just some here's my problems with this plan okay here's some human problems with this plan so when when you're walking around the city presumably not saying anything maybe just wondering why you're walking around the city um you got dudes like up high <laughs> Doesn't that leave you kind of exposed? You're just, you're just walking around, and they're, maybe the first day they're sitting up there like, what are they doing? And maybe they don't do anything because they're like, what is happening? But then the second day rolls around, they do the same thing. And then the third day happens, and I bet you the fourth day they're like, I bet I know what they're going to do. It, I mean, don't you think that that leaves you exposed to, I don't know, arrows or stuff they could throw over the wall? I don't know. This just seems like a problem to me, right? And, and then what about, okay, you guys know, from watching TV and playing video games, the, the best tactic in any kind of war is the element of surprise. How much surprise do you have after seven days of walking around there? They know you're there. You're not hiding. They knew they were there before they started walking, right? Because the, the city was shut up. No one went in, went out. So there's no surprise. You're completely exposed. This is a great battle plan so far. I mean, isn't that kind of what, like, General Custer did back in the day? It didn't turn out so good for him. Um, by the way, here's the biggest problem. How is any of that crap going to make the wall fall down? <laughs> what did he tell them to do? Okay, the last day, walk around seven times, blow horns, and yell. And then the walls are going to fall down. Okay, there's a lot of issues from a human perspective with this plan. A lot of issues. What, what would our plans be? What would man's plan be? I don't know. I'm not a sophisticated general or anything. But I would assume my first, my first insight would be, you know, we got we to gotta get through that wall. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to blow it up, knock it down, or just get a hole or gain access. Or, I, you know, usually on like video games, there's some sort of like sewer pipe or something you can get through. I mean, 
That, that's my first thought. That, that would probably be human thinking. We've got to get through that wall. The wall's a barrier. And God says, no, 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 you're going to walk around it. You're going to yell and blow trumpets, and it's going to fall down on its own. Seems illogical, doesn't it? It seems illogical. It doesn't seem like a good plan for conquering an enemy. Let me ask you this. In your own experience with your Jericho, whatever that is, how has your own plans gone thus far? Your logical plans in your mind that are done in your own power, in your own strength, in your own logic, by the way, that makes sense, how have they gone? Because I was in high school once, and I was a teenager once, and I was a young man once. I'm still a young man. I know. You have a good formulated plan. You're like, this makes sense. This is how I'm going to deal with this. How's it work? It doesn't. Maybe it works for a little bit, but it always comes back, doesn't it? You never completely knock out Jericho with your own plans. That's why we need God's plans. The flaw in our own logic and our strength is that we're not in a physical battle. We're in a spiritual battle. I, I know. It seems physical. It seems physical because I can't somehow seem to stop physically taking my phone out of my pocket and looking at porn. That's why it seems like a physical battle, right? It seems physical because for some reason, no matter what I do, I can't stop taking weed and putting it in my mouth. That's why it seems physical. But it's, it's not physical. It's a spiritual battle, and it needs to be fought in the power of God. Ephesians chapter 6, Matt touched on this briefly last week. It says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong. Notice the prepositional phrase, in the Lord, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not, we're not warring against a physical enemy but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual, there it is, wickedness in high places. Notice, go back to verse 10 and 11. Spiritual strength, strong in the Lord, and power of his might. It's spiritual strength. It's spiritual power. It's spiritual armor is what it is. The armor of God is not physical armor you go buy somewhere. It's spiritual armor because you're in a spiritual war. So what you need to stop doing, Christian, the first thing you need to understand is you need to stop trying to win this battle in your own strength and in your own power and with your own strategy. You need God's strategy. You need to get God's instruction. And Matt talked about that briefly last week. God has a strategy for you. And you need to take God with you into battle. Look back at Joshua 6, in verse 6. It says that Joshua called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant. What's the ark? The presence of God. And let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, encompass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. The, the ark is God's presence. You gotta take God with you. It's a spiritual battle. You gotta take the general with you to battle. Listen, I know if you're saved, I mean, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. That is the mystery of godliness. That is the fact that God came to this earth. He dwelt among men. He put flesh on, and when he ascended back to the Father, the, the Gospel of John tells us that he left another comforter. He left the Holy Spirit in his place to indwell the life of the believer. So you can't, if you're a Christian, leave the presence of God behind. 
like, the, is, like Israel could literally physically leave the ark behind. But check it out. Even though theology, theologically, yes, that's correct, we go into battle without God all the time, <laughs> don't we? We do. We go into battle without God, and we know because we lose the battles. We lose the battles. Y- you don't, y- you, you, you win the battle by taking God with you. And, and the way that you forget to take God with you into battle is by not praying about it, and by not reading his word, and not getting his instruction on, and not getting his battle strategy. It's by not seeking him to lead you into battle, and by forming your own strategy, and fighting in your own power. That's how you leave God behind. That's how you forget to take the ark. And you go in, and you try to do this thing your own way. The way we get God's instructions is, guess what? By reading his word. It's by taking the instruction book that he gave us and reading it. Have you looked in there? The problem with a lot of us is we're church kids and we know the answers in our head, but we never actually apply them to our life. We have the knowledge, but we don't have wisdom because wisdom is what? Knowledge applied. You have to take that knowledge and do something with it. How how does Jesus, Matt talked about this last week too. I'm cherry picking a lot from Matt. He did really good. What did Jesus do in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 when he was tempted by the devil? He was tempted three times, and each time he did two things. He defended himself with the shield of faith, Matt talked about, by what? By not believing Satan's lies. And then he struck back by what? Scripture. The word of God. God's instructions. You attack your offensive weapon in the battle is the word of God. It's God's instruction. What does King David have to say? You guys know this if you're a Christian. I'm giving you verses you already know. We just haven't applied them yet. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? How do I get right? How do I defeat Jericho? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Have you done that? You guys know this stuff. And if you don't know this, man, you need to write these verses down and you need to start hiding these in your heart. But a lot of you do know this stuff. And the reason you haven't conquered Jericho yet is because of number two. If you want to conquer Jericho, you must get God's instructions. But number two, if you want to conquer Jericho, you must obey God's word. You got to actually do it. You can't just get the instructions from the general and be like, General, that is a great plan, and then go do something else. <laughs> or just not do it. It's, that's, that's not going to work. It doesn't work. Obey God's word. This is the key. This is the key for you, church kid, who's been in church his whole life, but you've been dealing with this same Jericho for most of your life. The key is that you might have the instructions, and you might know them too well. You know them so well that they've become mundane, and you've never actually done them. Or you tried doing them once and it was hard and you stopped. I'm speaking from experience. I'm a fellow church kid, okay? I'm not, I'm not coming down on you. I'm just trying to get you to see it's not enough to just know the right stuff. It's not enough to just know the cure for cancer. You gotta actually use it. Not, I, I don't know if we have the cure for cancer. I'm just saying. You can't just know the answer. You gotta do it. You gotta apply it. You gotta obey it. You have to put the plan into action. Let's look at verse 12. We're gonna see Joshua and Israel do Exactly that. Joshua rose up early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them but the rearward came up 
after the ark of the Lord and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. So what did they do? They obeyed what the general told them to do. They did exactly what God told them to do. Not half of it, not even most of it. They did all of it. Let me ask you, man, why? This is a rhetorical question. Why is it so hard to do what God tells us to do? Why is it so hard to just obey? It's because the key to obedience is faith. The key to obedience, obeying God, is faith. Look back at verse 16. Verse 16, at the end of it, Joshua says, shout, why? Because he believed that what God said would happen was going to happen. For the Lord hath given you the city. And they shout and the walls come tumbling down. It wasn't just that Joshua knew <laughs> logically that shouting makes walls fall down. <laughs> it, it doesn't. He had faith that God's word was going to come true. Obedience, the key to obedience is faith. Joshua believed that God would give them the victory and he trusted God's plan and his strategy to do it. And I think the problem with most of us who have tried and failed multiple times to defeat our Jerichos is that we don't trust God to do it. I mean, if you don't think that's true, then why else would we try over and over and over again to defeat it in our own power, even though every time we do that, we fail, and we think this time we'll get it right because communion's coming up in a couple weeks, and well, I really want to get right. For, I mean, we do this over and over and over again. Are you tracking? You know where I'm coming from? Why else would we do that over and over and over again? The same plan that doesn't work, the crazy cycle, right? Why do we do that if we just don't simply trust God's plan? The key to obedience is faith. So let's get real. Think about this, guys. Think about it. And if I'm calling you out, I promise you I don't know. So just put on your blank stare and pretend I'm not talking directly to you. Let's get real. Why is it so hard to stop looking at porn? I mean, think about it. Logically, just don't look at it. Turn your phone off, right? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to stop doing drugs or, or, or alcohol or, or any of those things? Just don't put them in your mouth. It doesn't sound that hard, right? Why, why is it so hard to stop looking down on yourself? Why is it so hard to stop react, overreacting to things in, in a acting out in, a, in aggression and anger. Why is it so hard? Just don't do it. Why is it so hard? Because you are fighting the battle in your own strength, in your own power, with your own plan. And you can't win this on your own because it's a spiritual battle. You need God. And that's why AA exists. And that's why 10-step plans exist. All these things exist because people are attacking the physical problem physically. Well, here's how we can wean you off of this problem. The problem is sin. The problem is spiritual. And if you fix the spiritual problem, the physical problems don't dissipate immediately. But you now have a guidebook and you have a God who will fight the battles with you. You got to start with the spiritual side. That's what you got to do. 
I mean, think about this, guys. We, we fight battles constantly in our own power, even though it doesn't work. And if you're saved in here today, if you're a Christian, you know. You know you weren't strong enough to save yourself, right? The reason you got saved is because you realize your sin separates you from God, and there's nothing that you can do to get over that and to get yourself to heaven, right? You realize that, and that's why you submitted to God, and you said, thank you for your free gift of eternal life. I couldn't do it on my own. You knew you weren't strong enough to do that, so why do we think that we're strong enough to fight these battles? Why do we think that? Colossians chapter 2 says, You who were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's what God did for you and for me. 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he did for you when he saved you. Why do you try to do this on your own now? You can't do it on your own. I think the problem is that so many of us, after we get saved, we're thankful but we're still ashamed of our sin. Do you know that God took you just as you are and adopted you into his family? I don't know your dad. I don't, I don't know how your dad is. I know a lot of you have really good godly dads. Maybe some of you don't. But can I just tell you, your, your heavenly father is not a God who's waiting at home to just reprimand you for everything wrong that you've ever done. Do you know that your God is a gracious God? who, like the father of the prodigal son, is standing here waiting for you to just come back and ask him for help. That's your God. He's a loving and gracious father, and if you are saved today, you're his son. You're his daughter. Just go to him. Let him fight your battles. Quit being ashamed of the sin and trying to overcome it in your own power. It will never work. It won't work. And Jericho, by fear, will control you the rest of your life you got to get past it. And the only way to do that is to give the battle to God. And when you do that, check this out. When you give the battle to God and let him fight, you get the victory, but God gets the glory. Because there's no way you're taking out a double-walled fortress city on a hill. You get the victory, of course, but God gets the glory. Because he did it. He did it. This last point here is going to be very quick. Don't worry. If you want to conquer Jericho, you must get God's instructions and you must obey his word after he gives them to you. But number three, and this is going to be a very good segue for us into next week. Number three, you have to destroy all the enemies. You have to destroy, and I mean that Jericho, you have to wipe it completely out. Destroy all of it. After you write that down, look up at the screen or in your Bible and go back to Joshua 6. Skip down to verse 20. Verse 20 says, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. What do you know? They obeyed God, and God's word came true. 
So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And notice the words here. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, he's talking about Rahab, and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Just, that's just a little side. We're not even going to this, but just keep in mind, God kept his promise with Rahab. Rahab, by faith, was spared from the judgment. That's awesome. Verse 24, And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein. Only the silver, the gold, and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. So, that, so they kept the precious metals for, for God, for his house. And then verse 27, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised through all, throughout all the country. So why is it so important to destroy it all? Verse 21 says they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Verse 24 says they burn it with fire and everything that was in there. Why is it so important? Let's check this out. And, and I know if you just want to take it from a historical, I mean, that, that's a weird thing to think. They killed everyone, young and old. Every, I mean, if you just take it from a historical vantage point, it sounds weird. But check this out. If you leave anything alive in Jericho, it'll come back. It will come back to haunt you. It will come back. And when, when you want to remove cancer from your body, you have to cut all of it out. Why? Because if you leave any of it in there, it's going to come back. You have to remove all of it. You have to completely destroy it. And when you're dealing with Jericho, guys, you need to get it all out. Don't leave some remnants behind that will allow you to go back to that later. So I guess what I'm telling you practically is don't, finally beat the addiction but leave the number of the guy or the chick or whoever is in your phone don't leave that in your phone who used to deal and get you stuff don't, don't beat the addiction but leave some people alive in the city that are going to bring you back into jericho later don't beat the addiction but keep following those accounts on instagram i mean it's it's that simple it's it's as simple as making sure you wipe it all out okay don't finally beat the anger problem, but still harbor some resentment toward that one guy because he really did you wrong. you got to wipe it all out in the spirit and the power of God. You have to destroy all the enemy. Destroy it all, guys. Burn it down. Stomp it out. Ditch the sin. Wipe out Jericho. What, what does that mean? That, that might mean getting accountability. It might mean ditching some friends who still bring you back to that sin. It might mean stop, that you stop dating that guy. I don't know what it is in your life. You've got to figure that out. But you have to wipe Jericho out completely. You can't let some of them stay alive because they'll come back. That's how it works. If you don't completely ditch the sin and replace it with God, it'll come back to haunt you later. When the walls come crashing down, you still have to clear the inhabitants. That's, that's what I want you to see here. I don't want you to think and get some false sense of security that just because God knocked the walls down for you that you've won. No, no, no. The walls come crashing down. Now you need to go in and you need to do business and you need to wipe it out completely. The walls crashing down aren't, that's not the victory. That's only part of it. You have to get it all out and replace it with God's power and God's word and God's people. You have to completely ditch that sin and, and replace it with God. If you don't, 
and we don't have time to get into this, this is going to be a foreshadowing for next week in Joshua chapter 7. If you don't, you will have future issues. <laughs> On the power and authority of God's word, you will have future issues. And we'll see that next week in Joshua chapter 7. But for now, here's what I want to leave you with. Here's some questions that I want you to ask yourself. And it really just goes with the outline of this message. Have you identified your Jericho? Do you know what it is? Do you have it in your sights? Have you gotten God's instructions to beat it? Many of you probably already know what you need to do. If you don't, if you don't know, just please ask us. Ask one of your counselors. Ask me afterward. We will take you to God's word and show you God's word on your specific Jericho and what you need to do, what God's word says you need to do to start dealing with that. We've got a little booklet back there we put together a while ago that says what, uh, something about what's keeping you from following God. And there's some really good things on there and fear and insecurity and stuff. Whatever it is, do you have God's plan? Do you have God's word on it, his instructions? If not, ask us. Let's, let us help you get that. Thirdly, do you, do you trust God's word enough to step out in faith and obey what he's told you to do? That's the kicker. You can't just know it. You've got to put the plan into action. And then lastly, are you prepared to finally destroy all of that sin in your life? Maybe you've had the walls come crashing down before and you thought that was the victory, and you s- but somehow Jericho stayed alive. You thought you conquered it, but then a couple months later, you're right back where you started. Maybe you finally just need to completely wipe out Jericho, ditch all the sin, remove all accessibility, whatever it is that enables you to go back to it. Are you prepared to finally destroy all of that sin in your life or do you still find some pleasure in it? That's what you gotta decide for yourself. Let's pray. God, I come to you tonight and I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. This is not an easy or light subject. This is something that uh, is very practical. It hits close to home for most of us. I'm sure all of us. God, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you as your savior, God, I just pray that they would give their life to you. You're the only source of hope and You're the only source of purpose in life, certainly the only source of eternal life, the only way that we can get to the Father. Joshua 14, 6 says that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you. God, I just pray that they would cry out to you tonight and confess their sin and ask you to come into their life and to be their Lord and Savior and their Father. And your word says that you'll do that because whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Father, I know a lot of us in this room are saved and do know you as our Savior. I pray for everyone in here who are struggling with their Jericho. God, I pray that they would just give it to you. Give the battle to you and stop trying. They've been doing this over and over and over for years maybe. Some of them have been trying to defeat this Jericho because they're ashamed of their sin. They don't want to tell their friends or their parents. They don't even want to tell you. Even though they know you know, they're just ashamed that they're still struggling with this. God, I pray that they would quit trying to win this battle in their own power and in their own strength. And they would just let you fight the battle. That they would get your instructions, that they would obey them, and that they would get the victory and destroy all the enemy and let you get the glory. Because God, you want to see us live in victory. You, wanna, you don't want to see us living under the bondage of sin. You set us free from the power of sin. God, when you saved us on the cross, there's no reason to live under the, under the bondage of sin anymore. And God, I pray that tonight that you would liberate some of us, Lord, not only from the bondage of sin for those of us who don't know you, but God, from the power of sin in our lives as those of us tonight seek to conquer Jericho. 
It's in your name I pray. Amen.